Hi, and welcome everybody. Welcome to a special Mops with Ethics. I'm your man, Sasha Smarlow, and we got another good one for you today. You'll see our beautiful contestants and wonderful uh, participants here. You'll also see my colleague, Zach. He's what I call our eyes in the sky, our ears on the ground. He'll be here helping facilitate some of the game show hosting on the back end. So if you see him participating, he is here though as well. Welcome everybody. So uh, reactions, chats, questions. Uh, we'll see if we have some time at the end to answer them, but otherwise keep that engagement coming up. And without further ado, uh, we'll kick it off. On this landmark 50th episode, we are hosting a game show style edition of Confessions. We've brought in some of our most popular guests to compete for cash prizes and some crisp yet sweet bragging rights. Congratulations, everybody on this, uh, on this podcast. Everybody in attendance is uh, entered automatically to a raffle for a 50 to 50 win. So that's, we're handing out Spotify premium memberships, $50 gift cards and headphones. So that's all automatic. Everybody here in attendance is already entered. Congrats to you. And, and now we have a special announcement. Mops Confessions is now a podcast. We are across Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. So across all your earwaves, you can now also listen to the Mops Confessions and all of our previous episodes are already available on all platforms. Wow, what the excitement. I'm ready to introduce our contestants. We have three fabulous teams. So first off, um, Asia Corbett, senior RevOps manager playing for Bread Payments. She comes from, prior to Bread from RevGenius at Postal.io, um, a standard support of education at all levels of career. Um, just a great person to have. And on her previous session with us today, uh, she was talking about RevOps and kind of marketing and the relationship between the two. Asia, please introduce yourself. Hi, I'm really excited to be here today. Um, you know, my background is in operations and revenue operations and uh, I'm a really strong advocate of a centralized operations team. I know that's kind of a hot topic right now. Um, <laughs> and I can go into why later after this, uh, but yeah, I, I think that unifying sales, marketing, and CS ops under uh, centralized revenue organization is the way to go. That's awesome. Thank you, Asia. And uh, next up, we have Chrissy Saunders, CEO and co-founder playing for CS2 Marketing. Uh, Chrissy, over the last few decades, has experience in markups, demand generation, and with her team at CS2 has helped clients move from kind of the chaos and kind of the the unknowns of kind of everything in the ops space and kind of operationalize this and optimize it for the ops uh, kind of for the annual growth potential. And on her episode with us of Mops Confessions, she was really talking about the relationship between Mops being a strategic ally. Uh, Chrissy, please introduce yourself. Welcome. Yeah, thanks for the intro. I have to say it hasn't been a few decades yet. I'm not that old yet, but um, you know. Start with uh, it's still over a decade. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, just uh, uh, in addition to that, I um, was also uh, the host of the Forward Thinking podcast and um, we have our weekly newsletter and our whole goal is to um, support, you know, marketing ops folks or B2B marketers and really elevate um, those teams and um, how to approach their work in a more strategic way and get those teams working together on both the strategy and the execution in a way where they can really tap into their growth potential. And um, yeah, so uh, happy to be here. Awesome. Welcome. And last but definitely not least, I'd love to introduce Jeff Ignacio, sales ops lead playing for AWS. Before AWS, uh, he was at Upkeep where he served as head of growth and RevOps, uh, supporting marketing and kind of sales to CS, kind of all across the board, brings a great perspective from there, um, as well as kind of like thoughtful ex execution around automation partnerships, so there'll be some great topics for us to dive into. And on his previous episode, uh, we was talking about the importance of RevOps, marketing ops and sales ops and all of these disparate departments uh, in line. So Jeff, without further ado, please introduce yourself. Well, thanks for having me first off, uh, always have a uh, great time speaking with the Mad Kuyu folks, especially on the Marketing Confessions podcast. Um, I truly believe in empowering practitioners um, 
by enabling go-to-marketeers with the strategic mental models and the tangible tools to be successful. So I'm happy to be here. Great. Well, welcome, everybody. So before we get into our game show style hosts, I would love if we could go around the horn. Give me something that's top of mind. Hot take, anything that's like top of mind right now in the industry space. Uh, perhaps, uh, Jeff, since you went last, I'll, go, I'll let you go first this time. Anything, anything top of mind, like a one-liner that's, that's really hot for you? Uh, it's been a challenging year on the go-to-market front, right? So, so much uncertainty and uh, with macroeconomic picture. And so it's mm -hmm. been like this for the last two years and new elements are popping up. So as business planners and business executors, um, you know, trying to stay three steps ahead of uh, dynamically changing markets is top of mind for me. Awesome. I'd love to hear that. Uh, Asia, how about you go next? Yeah, I think um, something interesting that's happening right now, at least uh, in the B2B SaaS space, is the idea of PLG as a new go-to-market strategy. What does that mean? How does it fit with other ones, you know, hybrid um, or not? And what does that mean for the different go-to-market teams like marketing and sales? So PLG uh, is here to stay, I think. Uh, it's just like, how do we as operators support that? Yeah, PLG, top of mind. Top of mind for us at Kudu, top of mind for lots of folks. And uh, with that, Chrissy, close us off. What's top of mind for you? Yeah, I'm glad Asia said hers because I had two, and part of that was going to be operationalizing different go-to-market strategies. But um, my, I don't know, maybe this is a hot take, but it's actually against like specific hot takes. I think one thing that I think I w want, you know, operators or even like, just marketers in general to like start moving away from is like trying to have like a specific way and stance of doing things. I think we need to get rid of like a concept of like a best practice um, or there's one way to do something and get on that bandwagon. I think a true um, person who's an expert at their craft, like really understands that it's a, it depends kind of situation and trying to pick like the best solution. So um, as much as that's not as sexy as it could be for like LinkedIn posts or anything like that, I think we need to embrace like nuance and rethink everything that we're doing. Good. I love that. I love the discussion. And I think we'll, we'll, we'll feed that out a little bit later on in the session. <laughs> um, with our teams, we're actually going to start off into our Family Feud style game. So if you don't know, uh, Family Feud is a common Western or American game where Families compete in glorious glory. Today, they're going to compete for, uh, well, pride and joy, basically. Um, where we're going to go over, we've polled our audience, so all of our topics, questions, and answers have all come from all of you today. And uh, we're basically going to try to see the top you know, five or six kind of responses, as you would in the traditional family feud style. And then afterwards, we'll go after a short kind of fireside chat, fireside discussion for each topic to give it a little bit more context, a little bit more color. And then we'll uh, also have a second game later on where I like to call it the Gordon Ramsay uh, idiot bread sandwich game where you're gonna get some, some real honest uh, kind of feedback of what, what would have been said versus what uh, actually was said in a uh, different types of challenging scenarios. Without further ado, let's kick off the game. Um, so the first topic of, of nature is your biggest mops pain point. So um, give me uh, one of the six, and we'll try to see if we can get it on the board. Um, Jeff, how about we start with yourself? Ooh, uh, let's see if uh, bad data is on the board. Zach, is bad data on the board? It is. Number two, data cleanliness, bad data. Uh, very top of mind around how do you manage it? How do you think about it? Okay. Um, how about Asia? I'll give it off to you. Um, give me another one. So we've got data cleanliness on the board. Give me the other. Hmm. I'm going to say attribution. <laughs> okay. okay, a big one. Uh, Zach, is there attribution? Wow, number one spot. Oh, I, I was going to say that. <laughs> we have to let Chrissy go first next time before me. <laughs> we will swap it out. I will play fair for everybody. Now, Chrissy, you got lots to go on the board. It's a blank space. Give us the last four. Give us one of the last four. Oh, um, 
I would say being able to be strategic versus like dealing with like fires, like firefighting. Okay. okay. Zach, is there being playing strategic versus, uh, you know, on the board kind of as a service taker? Oh, Ooh, unfortunately not. Let's say that as for the discussion. I think it might be a good one that folks might resonate with. Um, I'll give it back to you, Chrissy, give you another chance. Okay. Um, uh, give us another one. Give us another one top of mind. Maybe like, oh man. Um, <laughs> I would say like integration. So like maintaining like a tech stack that's like fully integrated with each other. Ooh, okay. Zach, is there integrations? Ah, tech stack and integrations. What a wonderful answer. Great. I'll hand it back to, let's go to Asia. Um, give us one of the last three. Uh, pipeline Ooh. generation. Okay. Pipeline generation, working with demand, working with revenue. Zach, do we have anything of that nature on the board? Ooh, unfortunately not. Another good one though. Another common problem. Jeff, do you have anything top of mind? Last one of the last three. I'm thinking reporting. Oh. Ooh, reporting, um, talking about reports and KPIs. Zach, do we have anything of that nature on the top three? Zach, our eyes in the sky says, unfortunately not. Um, I'll leave it kind of popcorn mm -hmm. style. Does anyone else have? Oh, I have one. Ideas? I have one. Chrissy, Hiring. Hiring. Oh, Hiring. Oh, that's a good one. Common pain point. Let's see if that is on the board, Zach. Hiring. Oh, time and resources. resources I'll give you that, yeah. right? The resource constraints leads into very much hiring. Um, Jeff, Asia, or Chrissy, any, just a, as a shout out, any, any of the last two before we kind of reveal all of that? Say uh, no, no targets. No targets. Un unclear uh, targets. Yeah, un unclear targets. Okay. Okay, Zach, do we have unclear targets or misalignment? Alignment. Alignment. Oh, <laughs> okay, uh, I'll leave it off to Chris or Asia. Do you have any anything that comes to mind for that fourth spot? Maybe like lack of strategy, like no strategy in place to execute against or like okay. a roadmap? Like a roadmap, a strategy. Okay, Zach, do we have anything of that nature on, on four? No. Mm. Unfortunately oh, not. Tough. It is. This is a tough spot, right? We live it every single day. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's what I was thinking. Well, Zach, why don't we why don't we reveal the fourth one and see what it is? Oh, budget. 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 Okay. Ah, so, yeah. you know, when we think about, you know, MedPick, when we think about Bant, when we think about all these things, we forget it's always about the transaction. It comes down to people and selling to people, but someone's got to buy something at some point. Um, so this is now where we're going to transition to a quick kind of fireside chat. So a couple of things that I heard was um, misalignment, strategy. So talk to me a little bit more. Uh, perhaps, Chris, I'll hand it off to yourself. What does that kind of mean to you? And what have you seen with other organizations about this? where they've gone wrong, where they've seen friction points of uh, misalignment or a strategy not working as it should. Yeah, I think the the biggest problem that I see right now is that the a lot of this, like the strategy is created in a silo. So a lot of the times um, the operations team is not being involved in those conversations with creating a strategy. And I think that there's, you know, huge implications for that. I think your operations team or can really provide a lot of insight into what can be done, what resources you actually have to actually execute on that strategy. Um, they also are close enough to the data where they can provide reporting as to like what maybe has been working and what hasn't or what needs to be improved. Um, and also they're usually the ones down at the end of the line that uh, get thrown over that work or that strategy to execute. And so, uh, that usually causes chaos and friction and those teams starting to like not actually execute well against that strategy just due to the lack of alignment. So um, I think the earlier on that we all work together um, and then have an operation support person or leader, even just in that strategy creation, 
I think the better. And, and Jeff, perhaps give me your take on it. So I know you're working at Amazon today, very large multinational organization. How does that kind of alignment and kind of strategy kind of play into at AWS or at previous companies that you've seen? Kind of like where it's gone wrong, where it's kind of gone right. How do you build that type of culture? Uh, so it definitely takes a village to set the strategy of the business. And so I would say if you're going through your planning or your operational cadences, you want the folks in the room who are close to the data or close to the ability to speak to execution risk, because that should inform your strategic pathways that you're considering. And so to echo and double down on what Chrissy said, you know, oftentimes I think marketing ops or rev ops or sales ops folks um, can and should be brought in or at least have some sort of upward pathway for that information and that insight to bubble back up into those decision-making rooms. So that way, when you are setting a strategy, you are not putting something that's pie in the sky, but something that is stretched, but very attainable. And that, that's something that we can all march towards. Yeah, and Asia, I think you, you've spoken very heavily around this relationship between other teams in the RevOps space. So MarkOps being part of RevOps, other teams being kind of involved, of, you know, CS Ops or Sales Ops. What's your kind of reaction to Jeff's and Chrissy's kind of point around who should be in that room? Like, should should it be a centralized uh, RevOps team, center of excellence type of thing? What's your take on that? Yeah, so uh, I've had the opportunity to work for some different size companies. So I've worked for, you know, larger companies where the ops functions are siloed and then the smaller stage where there is one operator and typically that's maybe RevOps. Maybe it's sales ops. Um, and it's easier when you're in a smaller company to be closer to the executive team who's driving the strategy. But you know, now I'm in a larger organization again, and it takes a lot more like advocating and advocacy to get into those meetings that are important, that are cross-functional when you're rolling out a new project or go-to-market strategy. Um, the reason I'm a fan of the centralization, a bit more of operations is because you know, when I've sat in those silo teams, it's really hard to see what the other go-to-market operations teams are doing and working on and how that may affect what you're working on. So, yeah, you have, you know, your alignment at the strategic level and the high level of the, the business unit. But, like, what about the operational level, too? And how are their systems and how are their projects impact each other between sales ops and marketing ops, CS ops? So it is really gotcha. to, to be involved, <laughs> uh, both from like the business unit, but also at the operational level, especially if you're still in an organization where sales, sales ops and marketing ops sit on different teams. Yeah, so it was put another way, it sounds like having a good team, good folks around that um, gets you a really kind of vibing machine, right? Like it seems like the efficiency gains of having those, not just dotted lines, but sometimes explicit organizational structures in place really help drive a business forward. That's awesome. Um, with that uh, kind of strategy, I think that leads perfectly into our next topic for Family Feud. We should have game show music. <laughs> <laughs> I was personally playing on it in the back of my head. Yeah, that's what I was saying too. <laughs> okay, let's go for the next question, our man in the sky. Wow. A little bit of a lag. This is gonna be a tough, yeah, this is going to be a tough one to guess. <laughs> there we go. Sorry. No worries. And so for our next question and our next game show host, I'll say, what keeps your CMO or anyone in the C-suite, your CXO, uh, up at night? Um, let's, start with, uh, let's start with Jeff this time. Uh, first, give us one of the top seven here. I'm going to say competition. Okay, so competitors, people encroaching in your space, essentially some market shows. Zach, is that on the board for us? Ah, perfect. Competitors. Indeed it is. Um, let's keep the ball rolling. Uh, Asia, let's, let's do another one. Okay, I have two in mind. I'm going to say this one. Uh, MQLs. Okay, MQLs, something relating to volumes perhaps. Zach, do we have anything on that on the board? 
Be a little more specific. MQLs, SQLs, conversion rates. No. A man in the sky says going higher level than that, but ah, CMO is should not be worried about the MQL volumes. Let's let's put it they should be. Let's let's talk about it. Um, uh, Chrissy, I'll hand it off to you. Give us uh, the other six or one of the uh, other six. Lack of insights or reporting into their performance. Okay. Got it. Uh, no byline into performance, how the business is doing. Zach, or man in the sky, do we have anything of that nature? Ah, actionable data. How do you look at it? How do you work on it? Um, I'll hand it off to Chrissy. I'll let you go again since uh, you went last this time. Um, hiring. I'll say hiring it again, again. But, yeah. Okay. Very topical. Uh, Zach, or man in the sky, hiring. Is that us people management talking about how many uh how little are we staffed correctly mm -hmm. um asia i'll hand it off back to you how about like marketing program roi or campaign okay ROI? so proving roi seeing how marketing is doing zach or men in the sky do we have anything of that on the board um yeah but once again it's it's a specific form of roi we're we're, we're looking for so unfortunately oh no it's getting the so egg. so perhaps Asia, i'll give you another chance um if i was a cmo how would i perhaps how would i phrase it so roi is one way but it seems like it's a means to an end how do i how do i get there perhaps one sec I'm drawing a blank here. Uh, how about uh, how about a lifeline, Jeff? Does anything come to mind, uh, either on the same topic or a different one? Um, I would say alignment. Oh. Alignment, overall alignment. Okay. I have one. <laughs> Chrissy's ready to go. From man in the sky, Zach, are we? Is our game board deciding to not play with us today? We had a little technical difficulty. I'm getting this caught back up. One sec. Well, let's let's take a moment to let's jump into the fireside chat just for a moment, and then we'll come back to the game. Um, you, Asia, you mentioned this MQL volume. Why do you feel like that should be uh, top of mind for a CMO or an executive? Oh, I meant that it shouldn't really, but it has been in my experience. It has been. It has been. That's why it I has been. It. Yeah. Um, because it shouldn't be something that's looked at like in isolation. Like, oh my gosh, let's focus on just getting MQLs. There's a lot that mm -hmm. goes into making sure that like what a definition of an MQL is, how you're getting those MQLs. Um, there's a whole strategy behind it, right? But it's only one piece of the marketing puzzle. And should, so what should CMOs or what should leaders think about if not on the volume piece, right? It seems very transactional and it seems like not related to the end goal, perhaps. Like what, what should they be thinking about? Yeah, I think overall uh, marketing um, sourced pipeline. So how, what, how, what, are, what, is, what kind of programs are market, is marketing running that is contributing to revenue, which is the pipeline? Well, gotcha. all so of the teams should be focus on. Yeah, so Zach, if I recall, um, as I mentioned with a lifeline, let's see if we have revenue or CMO leaders are thinking about that at all. They are indeed. <laughs> uh, it went out, but the number one spot was pipeline revenue. So that was the that was the, the, the pathway we we're trying to get you towards. Got it, got it. That we don't want to move towards the volume, um, especially here at Matacuda and across a bunch of organizations. That source revenue, talking about how marketing actually impacts revenue, is the big sticking point. I think that's that's the point that we'll, we'll follow up on. Um, to keep momentum going, um, Jeff, I'll give it back to you. Um, I recall you said something around alignment. Uh, just remind me, like what what else top of mind for the last three? One of the last three. Uh, I'm going to go with. Um... Acquisition cost. Acquisition cost, meaning like uh, cost to the business more broadly, 
uh, how, how much like, cost, how much, how much expense does it take to generate quality pipeline and how much of that pipeline converts to wins? And that way you can back into the marketing contribution to customer acquisition cost. Okay. Um, so costs from a kind of demand gen or acquisition perspective, Zach, do we have anything on the board like that? I, I agree. CAC super important. Um, I think budget and spend rolls into that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, Chrissy, I uh, didn't want to forget you, but you said you had a really hot one. One of the I last was, two. I was going to say pipeline revenue and then I was going to say budget, but um, let's ah, see. We're still your thunder. <laughs> um, um, maybe. So, <laughs> yeah, I'll give you a lifeline. How about... Um, when, when we think about the C-suite, who is, everybody has a boss, and I'll say that as a phrase, who's kind of the boss or who who should the CMO be reporting to or thinking about that? Yeah, um, I mean, like the CEO or board expectations. Oh, okay. So Zach, do we have anything of that nature on the, on the board or your boss? Yes, we do. Oh, we have the exact words. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> we love that. Um, and uh, let's just keep it open. Um, Anyone can shout out Asia, Jeff, or Chrissy. Last one, anything that comes to mind for that last final spot? Maybe their tech stack? Okay, I heard tech stack. Any other guesses? Probably not the Just same to method. like pull it in. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Overall go to market strategy? Market strategy, yeah. Okay. Overall go to market strategy in, in, in what respect? Is it respecting from how prospects move through the funnel, how the, well, we already said tech stack, um, how the people manage, like what's, what's specifically about the go-to-market? Um, I was thinking sort of based on the business and the product or service that you sell, what sorts of, you know, go-to-market motions might support that best, whether it's product-led growth or whether mm -hmm. it's, you know, combination of marketing, sales and marketing and how, what kinds of, programs you can roll up under that, like ABM and demand gen. Um, not so in the weeds with those, but just thinking holistically high level about that. Maybe. Zach, also oh. go ahead, Chrissy. Oh, no, 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 no. I'll let Zach see if that's right. Yeah, let's, let's check that out. No. Oh. I was going to say like their brand or like the brand awareness or reputation in the market. That would have been okay. a good one. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, we can save that for the fireside chat. Now, um, Jeff, the customers? Oh, oh yeah, okay. that's a good one. Ah, experience. Ah, Chrissy gives us the last one. Um, wonderful. So now these are the kind of the things that we pulled from our audience. This is what's top of mind. So we mentioned a few other ones um, around the go-to-market motion. So um, Asia, if you want to kick us off on that topic, why do you think it's important for the CMO or the C-suite to be thinking about different motions and how do they how do they go about testing new ones when they don't have data, right? They don't have historical. How should they think about that? Yeah, well, I think it's important um, from from the leadership level to kind of understand and be bought into the go-to-market strategy and what you're going to try based on you know what your, your products and services are. It's going to be really hard if you don't have data. You're going to have to experiment, pick something, and set some benchmarks on what you're gonna measure and then see how it performs over time so that you can make changes and adjust as you need to. And your team can make changes and adjust as they need to. And uh, Chrissy, do you wanna comment on how you've helped with kind of CS2 marketing or your previous kind of experiences? How companies should think about this iteration? How should they go about, maybe they're in a place today and they wanna to go to a different place. How do you, how do you approach that? Yeah, I mean, I think what's actually happening today is that customers are actually just trying to figure out how they can maintain like a few good market strategies at the same time and like what that means. So for, I know everyone mentioned like PLG and I think that is, although it's been around, I think more different types of companies are starting to adopt a form of it while also having like their ABM strategy um, while also, you know, just like their normal kind of inbound um maybe like air cover strategy. And so I think the key point of it is to like not think of those as a silo, but know that they all have different kind of like 
you know, implications as far as like the sales process, the customer experience, the data structure, especially depending on how you want to report on it. Um, but the more you can kind of figure out how it can all be part of each other, because not not every customer journey is just so like linear. I think you ha might have someone who comes in through your ABM strategy, but really like you want to put them through like your PLG, you know, um, into your product and so forth. And so knowing that there's different kind of paths that can take that cross all those strategies um, is important. And like I said, then figuring out, okay, what are the implications then on a mark, like the marketing and sales side and how they both, you know, support that. And then the data structure, what are our goals? Like, how do we want to measure that? Um, and that's a whole other podcast, I feel, or episode yeah. to talk through that. So, <laughs> yep. And then Jeff, perhaps you could speak to in moving in that like multiple kind of directions. How do you think about that? Like, what, what are some reactions what Asia and uh, Chrissy said? Well, I think dynamically, there's a couple of things that have changed over the last, you know, 10 to 15 years, right? If you think about buyers have been armed with more information so they've made more informed choices and that's led to an explosion of inbound innovation the second thing is on the software side folks are you know traditionally purchased on-prem they move to the cloud and you have this b2b motion and now folks are starting to experiment with free trial and that and that freemium motion and then now they're doing this plg motion where they they have access to the entire app and so the buying the buyers are customers they're they're evolving on a number of different levels, learning about your company on the on the awareness side. Second is expressing interest, engaging, and they even bypass the marketing and sales team by going straight into the product, reaping value right away. Um, and at some point, you either get feature walled and you have to convert to a, a paid plan. So as a business, you're trying to keep up with your buyers. But I would caution on trying to chase every shiny object out there. I would focus on doubling down on what works and then start experimenting and building out maybe a second distribution or an on-ramp channel and then getting good at that and then start experimenting with a third. So try not to get it over your skis because you're chasing mm -hmm. some shiny ideal that someone else is espousing on LinkedIn. Um, you know, really, you know, hone in on what works for you, build your castle, build a defensible moat. Then with the resources that you've carved up, go after a second modality, then a third. Um, try not to chase everything all at once because you might end up spinning your wheels and not really accomplishing a whole lot. Gotcha. So another way to say that, if I, if I heard correctly, it's if you could, you know, if you get the, the win first, you're basically allowed to continue to test, right? Like don't, don't get caught up in a, you know, perfect is the enemy of good is the, the, the term that comes to mind, right? That you're trying to figure out everything in all places, all at the, time, at the same time to chunk it off and get, you know, small wins that kind of build up on top of yourself. Does that sound correct to you? I mean, if you think about it, you know, if you have a business model that's already working and you're th thinking about tinkering with that business model and adding something on or fundamentally creating a paradigm shift, you are naturally taking on a bunch of risk. And so mm -hmm. you want to make sure that you're using the right tools for the appropriate moment. So PLG isn't for everyone. It isn't for every mm -hmm. solution out there. In yeah. fact, you're involving the product team. Um, and mm -hmm. quite frankly, if you're going to market, you may or may not have the wherewithal to launch a PLG motion right away. Okay, well, that's that's a great transition into our next family feud topic. Zach, or man in the sky, do you want to post up our, our question for the contestants? Okay, so with our next question, um, what team requires the most hand-holding? Meaning, what team is perhaps the hardest to work with, um, doesn't understand ops as well as it should, um, Jeff, I'll, I'll let you start off this time first. Give us one of the top four answers. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, I feel like I'm throwing uh, an entire class of professionals under the bus by answering these. Hey, it's a safe space. <laughs> we all understand it. It, it. There's context matters. We'll, we'll discuss it, and we'll give you a chance to discuss it. But give us one of the top four. Uh, let's see. Um, I love them to death. I've managed them. Uh, and led them, I'm going to say SDRs. SDRs. Is SDRs on the board, Zach? Men in the sky. They are that number two spot. Um, typically, the, the incentives, we'll talk about this a little bit more. It's a, it's a tough spot to be. It's a tough job. Um, but uh, Chrissy, give us one of the, of the other four. Um, 
I'm going to go with, although I feel like they could be some self-sufficient sometimes, but I still feel like uh, demand gen probably needs a lot of hand-holding okay. as well. Demand gen, man in the sky, Zach. Demand gen, number three. Wow, we're just knocking these out. Asia, let's let's keep the momentum going. One of the one or four spots. Uh, what do you think it is? Um, I'm gonna say this one because I know it requires a lot of managing up. The C-suite. Mm -hmm. Okay, the C-suite executives, man in the sky. Do we have that in our folder? No. Yeah, surprising. <laughs> I think mean, people are too scared to. <laughs> really and that's what I want to talk about next. Um, Jeff, back to you. Um, one of the last uh, top four. Let's go with salespeople. Let's go with sales, the sales team. Mm -hmm. And Man in the Sky says it's that number one spot, a classic uh, friction points between alignment between marketing and sales. And then uh, I'll hand it off to Asia, back to you. Um, Close us off. Do you have anything top of mind for that fourth spot? Uh, I feel like they've all been covered. <laughs> um, no other team department comes to mind. Not really. Um, honestly, I guess, I mean, I'll say customer success, but I haven't really seen that. <laughs> Hey, man in the sky, customer success, no. no. Uh, we'll open it up. Uh, Jeff or Chrissy, any any ideas? Field marketing. Field like, marketing, wow. Yeah. Okay, that's a statement. Zach, field marketing it is. <laughs> um, so let's talk about that. So I think what I heard was the C-suite is not kind of involved. It wasn't in our top four, but I think it's definitely one that's important to talk about. Uh, Jeff, your initial reactions, do you feel like are any are missing? Any that you would add here? I'm just thinking of a histogram chart that says number of tickets inbound from internally from the team. And then each yeah. bar is a team. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, how about Chrissy, Asia, any, any teams that you feel like are the easiest to work with perhaps on the opposite side. So Asia, you said that CS team as just a, as an answer, perhaps that one was a, a false flag for you. Um, any teams that are easier to work with on the opposite side? Um, I think that uh, product and, and engineering teams work really well because they're typically pretty organized. They have a roadmap. They, you know, they have weekly sprints. They understand like how to push back in a respectful way, right? So I felt like it's always really productive to work with product or um, engineering, um, <laughs> and maybe finance too. Hmm. Product and finance, those are unexpected, at least for myself. Uh, Chrissy, any, any reactions to that? Um, I would say my answer might be similar. I think that like web web teams like have always been for me like the easiest to work with because I think they have a lot of empathy for the marketing outsourcing because of the way that they work. Like they, and they're thinking about like customer experience while also doing something really technical. And um, so, and they usually work against a roadmap and in sprints. And so if anything, marketing ops teams should actually like kind of emulate them similar to a product team. So um, I feel like they are have been historically, I can't say at all companies, because sometimes that web team might not even be in existence and they work with an agency. But, uh, but yeah, I would say that. But I would say that it really depends, honestly. And it, I think the opportunity there is to try and create alignment with those teams so that there isn't so much of like a nag or a pull or handholding. It's more like, how do we best enable those teams? And so maybe it's trying to think through, should our enablement strategy just be different depending on which team it is? And maybe it needs to be rethought to support them. Hmm. And do any of you feel like this changes? So Asia, you mentioned finance, you mentioned product. So you mentioned that the structure nature of Sprint actually has worked for you. Um, have you ever experienced anyone, I'll, I'll leave it open kind of to the form as that has been a detriment or do we all are in, are, are, are we all in consideration of the same thing that uh, during sales, that finance is your friend, that they're not slowing down deals and that product in their structured nature is actually a positive thing. I, I just, I want, I want everybody's take on that. Well, it certainly can 
feel like it's not right like things like having a roadmap and having some structure definitely feel like barriers especially to sales um Mm -hmm. you know and in my operations career i've drawn a lot of inspiration from product teams and how to work and uh specifically with roadmaps and like a request process and you know being closer to sales and marketing that really feels like man you're really slowing me down but again it's like to chrissy's point of how can we work better with these teams how can we help them help us help them right um Mm -hmm. so working like that uh and and finance is the same way i think finance is very structured and and so it's when you're on the other end in operations working with that for me at least has been easier um and then working uh, closer to teams that pivot fast or have to do different things every day Mm -hmm. feel a little bit chaotic but uh, that's what I like about operations anyway (laughs) okay wonderful well let's transition now to our final question for family feud before we do kind of a more lightning round on game two. So Zach, a man in the sky, do you mind putting up our last family feud question here? So if all your dashboards broke, this is a ops P0 level event, what KPI would be the most worried or that you could not track? What would be the first thing that the business would cause a kerfuffle on? Um, perhaps, uh, Chrissy, you want to, uh, section us off one of the top six. Pipeline. Ooh, pipeline, revenue numbers, Zach, men in the sky, anything of that nature on the board. Open pipeline. Yes. What's currently in bookings? What's moving along in the business? Okay. Jeff, give us another one. Go to forecast. Forecasting ability to, to project and forecast Zach, anything on that board? I think, oops, don't look at that one. Oh, whoa. <laughs> I gave one away. Wow, <laughs> I, I meant to hit this one. I think sales SLAs fits for, for forecast and moving deals yeah. through the, the funnel. Um, and then Asia, well, we already got a free one. Everybody gets imaginary points for the spend. One of the last <laughs> three. What uh, comes to mind? Maybe channel performance. Like okay, specific, channel? Cha- yeah, specific yeah. channel performance, uh, demand gen. Zach, anything of that nature on the board? Um, there is one very close. You want to? Not getting it with the words today. Yeah, yeah Zach wants more specificity. I'll give you. A, I'll throw you a lifeline, Asia. How about something uh, less tactical but in the same vein? So we're looking at perhaps a different level than channel performance specifically, but in the same vein. It's relating actually, in fact, to a topic we already mentioned around CMOs and what they should versus what they shouldn't uh, focus on. I guess program performance, like the high, their high ROI, program ROI, campaign ROI. Uh, I'll give it to you. Give really? It to you. Okay. <laughs> I know what you mean. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so you, you're talking about program performance of how MQLs and still a lot of businesses, what we found are still in that mindset of, I just need that volume number as opposed to that uh, revenue number. Um, Jeff, yeah. back to you. Uh, one of the last two, five and six there, what comes to mind? Yeah, I'm going to go with activity. Uh, activity, meaning like sales activity, marketing activity, things like that, just like tracking in general. Well, that's a broad category, but for sales, mm-hmm. it would be calls, emails, meetings, opportunities okay. gener- generated. Gotcha. So, so tracking some level of activity, Zach, man in the sky. Okay, account engagement, looking to see how that works, how it's moving through the funnel. I like it. Uh, back to you, Chrissy. Uh, do you have our number six spot? Um, well, it's not on here, but I still feel like revenue would be one of them if I was tracking, because uh, that's not the same as open pipeline. But I feel, feel like it's not that since it's number six. <laughs> but it should yeah. be. We should just replace yeah. number one with that. Yeah. And that's the true. And that's the true answer. But that might be good for our conversations. What <laughs> number one. Um, 
I'll open it up, Jeff, Asia, or even Chrissy, if you have it off the top of your mind. Anything that yeah. comes to mind for six. Can we go with gap, gap to close? How much how much target do we have left to close? Okay, close the gap. Asia, any any guesses to put in for Zach? If this is like marketing and marketing ops, because you know that's ops confessions. Something around web traffic. Web traffic, web metrics. Traffic metrics. Yeah. I feel like, like maybe done. like campaign, like I would say like maybe like this is not going to be on here, but like hand raisers maybe that need to be followed up with. But that's the same thing as like an MQL essentially, but or like campaign performance maybe, but that's channel performance. So I'm kind of stuck. I think, yeah, <laughs> Zach, what has our audience said for the number six spot? Oh, customers, that's something I was thinking of, but yeah. 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 Hmm. So I think we can jump into this conversation. So Chrissy, you, you mentioned this first question. What should be the number one spot? So you mentioned close one pipeline, anything else that comes to mind? Like what, give me a little bit more color on what you're thinking there. Yeah. I mean, I think obviously uh, revenue is a better indicator of a metric to move toward. And I think that the whole revenue team can all share in that. I think one of the biggest problems with organizations, although I know all the reasons why they do it, but um, not having like a common goal that they're all working toward then makes it so that they're all working toward different activities to hit their own goals without keep in mind the other teams. And so that causes a lot of dysfunction and like whatever gets measured gets managed. And so I feel like with this focus on MQLs, there's which is a something that could be different across all organizations and you can change your definition. I would say even if you do track that, I would try and tie maybe even looking just into a conversion rate instead for marketers and like how can you improve that conversion rate to like an opportunity um, or even late stage opportunity because uh, then you're closer to that like overall revenue goal um, instead of focusing on pure volume. Um, and that means maybe changing your definition of what an MQL is uh, to really someone who's showing intent and wants to talk to sales. So yeah, that's, that's kind of my opinion. Yeah, okay, so showing intent. So moving away from a vanity metric or a marketing, yeah. typically a marketing metric that's volume-based, right? It's very easy to say, ah, we have this new event, we have this new initiative. We're just going to arbitrarily say, like, here's the line in the sand and then pass that over to sales, low intent perhaps. It doesn't Asia, mean does that? that you ditch it too. I think volume metrics can be useful, but I think also maybe it's defining what that definition is. And then on the alternative, if you're going to put goals around it, just still looking at conversion rates because you can generate thousand, thousand MQLs, but they don't convert. It doesn't matter. Anyway, sorry. Right. I just want to. Yes. The, the handoff, <laughs> it seems like it's the handoff of a revenue focus as opposed to a marketing focus. So yeah. Asia, anything that comes to mind, like you've been a big advocate around kind of the RevOps space, right? So to me, a lot of these are marketing type of metrics, right? They're great, as Chrissy mentioned, they're great to track, but how do you feel like businesses across the board should be thinking about things? Like how should, should marketing should just be sending things over, like just leads and emails to, to sales or how should they be thinking about things differently from a more RevOps focused perspective? Yeah, you know, I actually like what Chrissy said and I'm aligned with the definition of uh, marketing qualified lead, it's like really thinking about that handoff. When is it appropriate to hand someone off to sales so that sales can follow up with them, get them in the pipeline, and then, you know, whatever happens post-sale. So in an ideal world, you have a revenue dashboard that has a couple of things that might be marketing-focused but overall contribute to um, revenue, some things from sales and some things from the CS or post-sale retention side so that everyone is looking at the same metrics and you'll have your departmental things you'll have uh, more granular things you need to measure and track but uh looking at a handful of things like you know the, the pipeline and where it's coming from and then upsell cross-sell renewals all kind of in one place i think is is beneficial there and it helps everyone um march in the same direction okay and then Jeff, um, any kind of thoughts on how to balance this? So we talked a lot about revenue. We talked around, around around hard metrics, which is great. But how do you manage, or have you seen in your previous experience, you manage qualitative and quantitative? So 
one thing that comes to mind is a loud sales voice that says, ah, I, I have low volumes or I'm not able to hit quotas because marketing is, is sending trash things over. How do you balance those two elements of wanting to be more revenue focused, but also um, taking in mind the human behind the, the process? Uh, I would say, you know, if you have your business operating model or your revenue operating model like dialed in, you know how you increase your top of the funnel, how you progress the funnel to close win. Um, much of that, those performance results are going to help you sharpen your pencil a little bit on how you go to market. So, for example, your conversion rates could simply go up because you're only marketing to your ideal customer profile. So in terms of balancing the quantitative and the qualitative, you can you can increase the number of leads in your pipeline. Um, but at the same time, if you are targeting the wrong audience, well, that those the, the other metrics downstream, the productivity metrics, the conversion ones are going to suffer. So I think what's very important is to think through how does the quantitative inform the qualitative? And then when does the qualitative, those that gut instinct, that ability to move at only 60, 70% of the information at your fingertips, where you need to drive some sort of bias for action. So um, I would say, what's your decision-making framework as a business to what is your, um, your operating model? Uh, and then what is your operating cadence to feed that back to the business, right? So your inputs, your model and your outputs, ideally based on your outputs, you start to re-inspect what's happened to the business. You can do that through your operating rhythms and therefore use that information, the data plus the anecdotes combined to recalibrate the business um, in a different direction. So for example, if you've been barking up the wrong industry for a little while, uh, it might make sense to take a look at, you know, your firmographic data, your, your recent deals, the reasons why you've lost or the reasons why the leads have been disqualified. And that should then inform, you know, what future campaigns or what different sales plays you might employ. Gotcha. So using kind of the inputs versus the outputs and kind of balancing the two. So I think that goes really well into our last round, which is a, a little bit of a more lightning round. It's going to be scenario based. Um, for a game, our second game here, it's going to be what I'm going to call the Cord and Ramsey Idiot Sandwich. So <laughs> these are going to be hopefully common, but uh, ideally hypothetical situations. And uh, we're going to go around the board. I'm going to ask each one of you to say what you would have said, uh, what, you, what you thought in the back of your head. I'm like, ah, oh, wow, this person is completely off base. Uh, we're trying to look for kind of an unfiltered response. Then what kind of what you actually said? What was the professional translation of how you navigated that? So Amanda and Sky Zach, let's go through our first scenario. Okay, so Asia, the first scenario is to you. So you're a lean mops team. So you don't have the resources as we all do to, to support these large campaigns. You're a CRO, CXO, listen to a podcast, hot off the presses is like, ah, without thinking about things, we should move to PLG. PLG a sales motion, and they're just obsessed with this idea. This is the thing we need to do. Everybody else is doing it. Our competitors are doing it. What's your first thought? Like, what's your first thought that goes in the back of your head of like somebody thinking about this? What would have you thought? And then can you give us that second side of like what you have actually answered the professional take? <laughs> I might just cry a little inside because it's like we're constantly getting these, these things we need to execute, especially with no, you know, resource, whether it's money or people. And I'd be like, how do you expect me to make this happen? There's two of us or three of us or one of us, right? Uh, especially supporting enterprise sales. What? Like, that's crazy. Um, and uh, yeah. <laughs> just like a face palm, right? You're just like, I have no idea what to do with this. Right. Uh, but, you know, a, a lot of what we've been talking about here is, is really getting to the core of, like, understanding what the goal is, um, helping leaders understand the constraints when, mm -hmm. when trying to roll out something new like this, especially something like a new go-to-market motion. And again, like Chrissy had said, or maybe Jeff or both, like these things aren't for everybody. Like, so what, why mm -hmm. do you think that PLG is going to work for us specifically? And then, all right, how can we go about operationalizing this? Understand that we have, you know, this team, here are other priorities that you said were important. 
So how do we adjust now? Do you still want to do those things? How are we going to do those things? Um, so it's a lot of it's a lot of expectation management to you at the beginning. It's like, okay, here's here's what you want to do. Here's what we have. Here's what we can do. So how do we how do we make it happen? Yeah, curbing your appetite for moving quickly, but also having the tracking and infrastructure in place to actually accomplish this thing, and then having an honest conversation of like, what's what's getting taken off, right? If you're saying yeah. two or three people as a team and enterprise motion, I personally have created, I'm like, ooh, that's that gives me some heartburn. That's tough to that's tough to hear. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Great. And so on Man in the Sky, Zach, let's go to our second lightning fast scenario. This one will be for Chrissy. So Chrissy, um, imagine this type of situation, marketing leadership, doesn't understand how to utilize ops. Are you very talking about this? How do we play more strategically? So Q2 planning is on the way. And guess what? You're not in the room where it happened or not in the room where it happened today and not in the room where it happens tomorrow. What do you immediately think? What, what do you immediately think if you were a person in the situation? What do you think about what's the gutter reaction? And then what is the kind of the professional response? What is the best way to navigate this type of uh, scenario? <laughs> My gut reaction is just, wow, what a huge mistake. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but I also usually approach some things with empathy. And I think a lot of the time leadership has different ideas of what operations does and what, how they should support an organization. Um, and so I think the key thing, um, if you are in that role, is to start doing some education. Um, and have a conversation um, with leadership. And I would say definitely pull them aside. I think even maybe starting with like one group, like a demand gen leader, who's probably building a lot of the execution or strategy that your team needs to execute against and building a relationship there and talking about how and why you should be included upfront in that planning um, conversation and process. Cause I would call it a process, not even like a meeting. It's like even prepping for that meeting. What do you come with from an analytics standpoint? Um, working backward, how can I help you forecast? Um, and then also how can I inform the team as they're coming up with ideation for a strategy on what's feasible and on what timeline? Um, and so don't be afraid to advocate for your team and create those relationships. And I think they'll see way more success. Okay. I love to hear that. And then Zach, for our last lightning round, uh, off to Jeff for a third scenario. So for Jeff, um, your sales team wants to go whale hunting. They've put together some hosh posh list of a hundred logos. Some of them are large, some of them are small. It's all over the place. You know the data, you know it's, it's completely manual. It's been done as kind of like a one-off activity. Now they're asking you to commit marketing resources, tech stack, your roadmap, and so forth around this potential revenue of something that you know is not necessarily a good fit, or there's a, a mixed ratio. What immediately comes to mind? Is it Gordon Ramsay idiot sandwich? Like, come on, what are you doing here? Um, and then what would have been the, the professional take there? Well, I would start with, you know, what are our objectives and then create a work back plan from there. And we might find that maybe going whale hunting is the appropriate approach to achieve this objective, but maybe it's not this specific list or maybe it's not whale hunting at all. So I would just start working with, you know, let's understand the business objectives, work together, define those. Then that work back plan starts to put together a thoughtful strategy and approach, right? Um, because what I'm looking for is an ability to scale. Um, and if this campaign does work, how do we create more campaigns in the future? And then from there, build a machine out of it. Okay, so uh, Jeff, I heard I heard the thing that you would have said. What is the thing that actually came to your mind? Come on, I'm I'm I'm, I'm talking about like, I'm talking about like. XYZ domain coming into your pipeline. You've got to commit to that. What, what was your actual first thought? This is all you got? Come at me. <laughs> this is all you got. Yeah, exactly. I love that. Um, with that, that ends our family feud style game. Since the points are all imaginary, we're all winners here. Just as a reminder, everybody that's been in attendance will be entered into our raffle. Um, 
thank you all to our wonderful speakers. Um, Jeff, where can we find you? Where's the best place for folks to reach out to you? Uh, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn uh, under Jeff Ignacio. Jeff Ignacio, awesome. Chrissy, how, what's the best way to reach out to you? Yeah, you can go to cstmarketing.com and check out our uh, forward thinking page where you can find our podcast and videos and um, you can sign up for our newsletter, our weekly newsletter. Um, and then Not follow true. me on LinkedIn. Follow on LinkedIn, went above and beyond. There's a newsletter. Asia, round us off. How can people reach out to you? Yep. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn as well, Asia Corbett. And I'm in some of the ops communities too, uh, asking questions myself because still after like seven years, I love to learn from other people. So uh, reach out to me there. Yeah. Happy to chat. Involved in all the communities across LinkedIn, multi-channel. Love it. And with that, uh, we close our show. Thank you again to our guests. Thank you for everybody attending. And this has been our 50th episode of Mops Confessions. Thank you and have a good rest of your day.